passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm concerned. Rusev Day is bigger than ever. And you had an unbelievable match at the greatest Royal Rumble against The Undertaker. But you came up short. Something is holding you back. What do you mean? I have a holiday in my honor every day. What could possibly be holding me back? Sorry, guys. Just forgot my jacket. Good. All good. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. We want to smack down. 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 Hello and welcome to. Rewind to SmackDown. I'm John Pollock here alongside Waiting, where there's been a lot going down on Tuesday night. Heated race in Knoxville County for their Republican primary, where Glenn Jacobs appears to be ahead by 17 votes, with I believe 43 ballots outstanding. This is quite the race. Uh, I believe Glenn Jacobs has been declared the winner. He has actually put out a statement thanking everyone for this victory. So it looks like he is going to be the Republican nominee for the uh, mayoral election come August in Knoxville County. He is one step closer way. Yeah, and being uh, in, I guess, Tennessee, uh, his chances are probably pretty good. Yeah, the Republican winner of this primary was the one that they were saying would be heavily favored against whoever the Democratic nominee is going to be. So I'm happy for him. Yeah, I mean, maybe he'll cut down his schedule a little bit if he actually becomes mayor, because he was on the road a lot in the lead-up to this whole primary. I mean, this guy's been working a lot for the WWE. Has he? Well, he's not wrestling, so what has he been, he been up to? Uh, he's been he's been having a pretty, you know, semi-active schedule, I'll say that. Interesting. Huh. Yes, a lot of... Uh, I've, I've seen a number of tweets of people who were confused, thinking he has become the mayor. When he has he has become the Republican nominee, so yeah, he's not quite there yet to become the actual mayor, but very well could become the end of August. Wow, cool, exciting. We'll all be following that. I mean, I feel like I would be a bit more um, shocked and excited, but yeah, I mean, it feels like we've we've seen plenty of uh, wrestlers involved in politics by this point. Yeah, at this point, I don't know how much. I don't know if Glenn Jacobs would not be the example I would use as someone that I would be concerned with being the mayor of my city. I mean, Glenn Jacobs seems to be 
more the exception rather than the rule. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was, say... Jerry Lawler? Who, if Jerry Lawler was the mayor, I would, be, I would definitely be looking at Memphis and, and wondering, what, what have you folks done? But maybe, maybe this is just the world we live in, Way Maybe if, if Jerry Lawler had run today instead of uh, back in the late 90s, he would have done significantly better. And th- in fact, I think he would have probably. Nothing would surprise me now. No, now it's just open season. All right. Well, uh, what else did we want to discuss? Actually, I wanted to ask you if you watched the trailer that debuted on Monday that Showtime put out for the bipolar rock and roller documentary that they're going to be releasing uh, later on this month. I believe on May 25th, I believe is the premiere date. I don't have the date off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, this is the more Ronaldo documentary that uh, I, I did watch the trailer. And uh, John and I have actually, like years ago, we've seen a, an initial cut. It's being put together by actually a, a former colleague of ours from the Fight Network. Uh, his name is Harris Yusinovich, and I believe he's teamed up now with Showtime to release it. Uh, and... I'm sure it's very different from how you and I saw it. I think when we watched it, it was just an initial cut that Harris put together himself. Now with the help of Showtime, I'm sure this thing is just, and, and all the extra footage that, that he's probably shot, I'm sure it's, it's almost going to be completely different. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I think I'll be on the cutting room floor of the, the new edit. That would be my assumption. Because you, you were interviewed for this, and you were interviewed for it when? Oh, years ago. I want to say... Maybe 2014, 2015, I would guess that I was interviewed. Hmm. And I did like a 30-minute interview or so for it. And I was in the documentary briefly. And yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see, see if I make the final cut or not, Way. Yeah, we'll uh, see. But I, I think everyone, uh, granted, I haven't seen the, the latest version, uh, but the version I did see, it was pretty overwhelming. Like, I think people are really going to... It's one thing to hear somebody talk about... Um, mental problems they go through, and dealing with bipolar disorder, it's a completely different thing to actually see it happening in front of you. And some of the scenes in this documentary are breathtaking of just seeing this man with this camera on him as uh, just hours after calling uh, one of the biggest fights ever uh, up until that time in his career. And you just see the come down afterwards. Um, there, there's so much in this documentary that will make you um, understand, I think, I've, lots of people have dealt with mental illness, but to see Moro's uh, caught on camera, uh, it'll be jarring for some, I'm sure. I, it was jarring for me, and, and I speak as, as you know, a, a former colleague and a friend of his who, you know, has worked alongside uh, with him for a long, long time. Um, I mean, I always knew he had the, you know, uh, he was dealing with, with this disorder, but I, I never really kind of understood what it actually meant until I, I got to see uh, footage of it in in uh of him going through an episode and uh it's it's very traumatic um so i think it'll do a lot to like help raise awareness for people who are familiar with with moral now either from professional wrestling or mma because like this this thing was made like before moral even got involved at all with the wwe so there's you could like you know you probably have way more to talk about now and i mean i guess it would be so interesting for me to think to, for me to see if they'll talk about the JBL stuff at all from last year, or if uh, you know maybe they'll maybe it was completed beforehand. I, I'm not exactly sure. So, well, we shall see. Yeah, WWE is 
promoting it. So I would imagine that the the newer edited version will have WWE in there um, because the version we saw there was it was all pre WWE. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't I, I would imagine it's going to be a different documentary than what we've seen. So that's coming up Friday, May 25th, 9 p.m. Eastern time on Showtime. You'll be able to watch that. Let us go into SmackDown. This was night two at the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec. Another hot crowd. I wouldn't say at the level of Monday, but pretty damn great, I thought, for uh, two-thirds of the show. uh, For two-thirds of the content that we are about to review. The start of the show featured a very dramatic replaying of Shane McMahon's plunge to death at the Greatest Royal Rumble, off the top, turnbuckle, through the table on the floor, and Shane McMahon uh, turned into dust, and just uh, those dust particles just went into the wind. Was there was there no more, like, significant... Like, uh, you figure they would, like, show the Brian stuff first, don't you think? I didn't think they put... Like, they didn't emphasize Daniel Bryan's thing to me at all. Like, it was mentioned... And they talked about his chest, but I almost felt after this week that, like, why did you put him in this match for 76 minutes? Like, what was the point of this? There was no, to me, all of that is in how you handle it coming out of it. And it was just like, yeah, he went 76 minutes. He set a new record. Uh, His chest was hurt. Yeah. We move on. It was almost like a waste of a record-breaking performance that is a real incredible feat to have accomplished but one of which we're just moving on from and not putting any significance behind or anything. Like, that just felt so trivial by the end of this particular episode. Yeah, if we're looking at stories that I think SmackDown should be focused on coming out of that show, I mean, if if not the world title match, which, you know, didn't necessarily end with, with that much, uh, I guess, uh, fanfare, uh, it definitely is Daniel Bryan lasting that long in the Royal Rumble, setting records, and uh, I... I yeah, I'm a little perplexed why they chose to talk about Shane McMahon taking a, a bump through a table rather than that. If I'm not mistaken, they also had Braun Strowman beat the record for most eliminations in a Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see how they acknowledge it. Because like, come Rumble time, they, like like actual January Rumble time, I I feel like they're going to have a lot of like asterisks next to these uh these new records. So Paige is back on the show, and she announces Shane will not be here tonight. Recaps the Styles-Nakamura low-blow finish from uh, Friday, and said that the post-match attack uh, featured an attack beyond the bounds of good sportsmanship. So what is Paige going to do after all of these dick shots? She is now going to make a match that is no disqualification. So unlimited dick shots. Pretty much, yeah. At this and point, I feel like, like I feel like AJ needs to start showing some some of the the long term effects of uh, trauma to the testicles. You know, he just the guy walks out every single week like nothing happened. I, like maybe a limp or something. You know, maybe a, an interview with his wife, uh, or something. It's just like how many of these have there been now? Yeah, and. Doesn't he look kind of stupid by this point? Like, there's a, there's a way to at least augment some of this damage he is taking to that area of his body. I don't know if, like, cups are allowed. But, I mean, in wrestling, yeah. Who, what, for, for, for an interview segment? Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I guess the, he just uh, just doesn't 
He doesn't know where to get one, perhaps. Sorry, that's that's banned, sir. <laughs> so the show starts off with Miz TV. Miz is in the ring, and the entire crowd is chanting, On vous, Maurice, which translated is, We want Maurice. And yeah. Thankfully, Pat LaProd was in the front row and translating the chants for me tonight. And Miz says, uh, last week, Daniel Bryan's, uh, I guess, no-showing of Miz TV has led to him being banned from Miz TV. Called Raw the B-Show. And then Seth Rollins has something of his, the IC title. And Rollins hid behind Joe and Balor uh, during the ladder match on Friday. Tonight, his guest from Miz TV is Jeff Hardy, who came out. And they announced it will be Jeff Hardy against Randy Orton at Backlash. Miz refuses to shake Jeff's hand because Jeff high-fived all of the people and calls Miz an overbearing wannabe Hollywood star and starts asking if he was a better IC champion than Rollins. Hardy said if he was, then he'd have won at the Greatest Royal Rumble, just like I did. Miz then brings out Randy Orton, and Randy Orton getting set for this big match on Sunday at Backlash said he's not mad at Jeff. What's the big deal? And each just said, yeah, we're cool. And Miz just played shit disturber here. He brought up the top 10 list that we had all forgotten about, where Randy Orton was ranked ninth. And wow, Orton- well, what, a, what, what a failure that, that was. Jeez. The SmackDown top 10 list lasted, what, about two weeks? Give them credit. They saw a dead idea and yes. moved on. Sure. Yeah. And now it's a punchline. Miz said that. Being ranked ninth doesn't even get you a medal. And this legitimately popped Randy Orton. He seemed like to really think this was so f- clever. And Orton says no one cares about that top 10 list. And then Miz brings up Hardy costing Orton the match last week. Hardy denied that and put all the heat on Sunil. And Orton says he earned his title rematch. And no matter how cool he is with Jeff, he's taking that title back. And then Shelton comes out and says Orton doesn't deserve anything. What Shelton apparently deserved was the what treatment uh, from this audience. And Orton just nails him with this kick. Miz goes for Orton, and Hardy stops Miz, hitting a whisper in the wind. Uh, We go to break. We would come back with a match joined in progress. But um, a spirited audience here involving, um, I would say, in Jeff Hardy and Shelton Benjamin, uh, not our finest speakers. No, not at all. Uh, clearly, uh, you know, you can see people like a Randy Orton and especially The Miz being at a different level from those two. Um, you know, for The Miz, it's it's one of those months where his opponent is on a different brand, uh, much like, uh, what is it, the bragging rights and all those other shows. So he can't necessarily cut a promo or can't, can't necessarily do anything physical with his opponent coming up at Backlash. Uh, so instead, he's just kind of left to play the, the troublemaker here between uh, Jeff and Randy. But what about whatever he was wearing on this show. John. He was jeez. He was he was wearing this like robe with a red headband. It was like a le- it was like a leather robe, like a leather trench coat with like chainmail on it. Like dude look he looked like a Mortal Kombat like background <laughs> character, like 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 one of the like Shao Kahn's um mercenaries or something. Uh, I I thought it was quite incredible. He looked like a looked like a big star here with his his outfit. It looked crazy. It looked like something um maybe Great Muda would wear. Here's the thing: like Shinsuke Nakamura could wear that, and it would look completely natural for him. <laughs> uh, with the Miz, it's like it really 
it's really like weird and uh uh not really in a good way but like as a heel it it was perfect maybe it was a tribute to george st pierre with the headband sure yeah perhaps montreal hardy and orton against miz and shelton uh, the match was made during the break by Paige, and the audience was chanting Brother Nero. They were singing Ole. Hardy uh, went for a pair of covers on The Miz. He hit the twist of fate to Benjamin. Uh, there was a sign in the front row that read, Montreal is awesome, which it was these last two nights. And another sign that read, Cena, marry me. No, she'll be disappointed. Yeah, she clearly is not up to speed on the game. Uh, there was also a crawl at the bottom of the screen promoting the new Hardy's DVD is out. And this DVD is notable because they worked out a deal with Impact for some footage in this DVD. But you would really need to search with a magnifying glass to find any kind of promotion for this DVD. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't know about it unless I, I guess, uh, heard about it from somebody. What? Somebody like, what's there. the point of putting all this work into such a project that it's it's not even enough to talk about on television? They've always kind of showed a bit of that 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 distance, though, for a lot of their DVD projects. I mean, some of like the the big ones, I suppose they they do go out of their way to create uh, uh videos for, but there 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 are always the other ones that just get releases without with a crawl. Like, what was know? the last one that got any kind of push? I can't even remember the last mm, one that that mm. got. Paul it's one thing to talk about, you know, DVD business is down. Yes, it is. It's it's a falling industry, but it's kind of a defeatist attitude when you're not even trying. Like, why even go to this length the if you're la- not even going to make any kind of focus on it? The last ones I remember could could have maybe been like the Owens or the, the Heyman or the Bischoff ones. Uh, but beyond that... Owen, Owens was probably the last big one that they put yeah. out. Like this one, I'm assuming, doesn't... Does this have a documentary on it? Do you know? Wait, I only got a crawl. I have no yeah. idea what's on this. Well, I would say even like the idea that they they have a compilation of all their footage, including all the Broken Hardy stuff from TNA. I think that's that's enough of something of of, of a selling point that you know you could throw out there. But I guess not. No, we had uh, we had we just didn't have, we don't have enough television time in 2018 to be promoting uh, DVDs. Hardy clotheslines Miz coming out of the corner. Crowd was continuing to buzz here. Tag was made to Orton. He was in with Benjamin. Orton dropped Miz on the announcer's desk, hit a draping DDT to both Benjamin and Miz, calls for the RKO, hits Shelton with it, tags Hardy, who generated even more power by taking his shirt off before hitting the Swanton, and pinned Shelton at 12 minutes, 4 seconds. And then out of nowhere, Orton hits Jeff with the RKO. So crowd was really hot for this, and mm-hmm. they did something at the end to build up their their match on pay-per-view yeah yeah i mean well they haven't really exactly had a ton of time to tell the story between the two um it's it's also been caught in the middle of like a lot of weirdness with jeff winning the title jeff coming uh defend having to defend the title against gender and just the constant kind of threat of like will this title be on raw or will it be on smackdown getting in the way of actually trying to build this match so I would say they haven't exactly had a ton of time to tell any real story between Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton. But, I mean, it's a feud between two fan favorites with a lot of star power. So doesn't necessarily require that much to get going. But I can also see Sunday's match as really just the first step uh, towards a longer feud between these two. 
Yeah, and kind of a weird involvement uh, with Shelton Benjamin in this whole thing. He he beat Jinder a few weeks ago, then he beat Randy last week, but he was just kind of the fall guy here in this match. He mm-hmm. had no, no involvement, and he wouldn't be one of my guys that I would be selecting for some kind of push coming out of this either. No, no, he really just kind of feels like a guy who's there to to have solid matches and to keep people company while they build feuds with other people. But I can I can see him being elevated to like a, a three way spot, you know, like the three of them. It's an interesting collection of of of, of wrestlers, and I guess you can throw the Miz in there too. They're they're all veterans, and you know, for the most part, they're all pretty decent in the ring. Renee Young was backstage with the Iconics, and. Peyton does a an impression of Renee trying to do a Canadian accent, which Renee calls her on, stating that's not a Canadian accent, that's a Minnesota accent. Royce says they're both garbage, and they state that they beat Asuka last week, which made me pause before I realized they're right. They beat Asuka last week in a in a tag match. Mm-hmm. It was Becky who took the fall, and I didn't think twice about that finish at all last week, and I guess the fact is it doesn't really matter anymore. No, it doesn't. No, uh, I I didn't realize it yet either. But yes, Asuka uh, has a loss officially in the record books on SmackDown, um, her second loss, and it, it doesn't mean anything. You know? Do you think? Uh, I mean, I feel like really that's that's probably the reason why they decided to end the streak when they did is for weeks like this. What, what, we, we, we've got to be able to beat this woman in tag matches. I mean, mm. we just can't uh, keep this thing going. I just don't think they know how to handle long-term winning streaks. You know, they just probably see it more as a handicap than as something that uh, I guess is is beneficial for them for for big pay-per-views that you can only use once or twice a year. They welcome in Carmella, and she talks about being invincible. She moonwalked off to one side of the screen, then moonwalked across, and they say the future is iconic. Um, This is another good promo from the Iconics. They're... They're very fun. I really love the pairing of the uh, of uh, the Iconics with Carmella. I don't know if this will be a permanent grouping, but at least for now, I think all three personalities have uh, they're they're very similar characters. It just how just so happens that you know two of them are Australian, um, and I I feel like you know especially since we complain that Carmella without somebody like a James Ellsworth doesn't feel like she really has the credibility to even cheat to win matches. I think having the Iconics by her side helps her make her feel like a bigger threat. And I'll say, like, you know, in terms of personality, having a faction with these three together already completely blows away what they were trying to do with the the Riot Squad or Absolution. Then the WWE medical staff had an update. They would not let Daniel Bryan compete tonight because of a fear of a chest infection. And we had a promo from Bryan after the Greatest Royal Rumble stating he did not feel tired after that Rumble match, but he just couldn't eliminate Braun Strowman. A chest infection, way? Well, I'd buy it. You know, you you see that thing? Do you, do you think the Louisiana Commission was concerned about that with uh, with PCO afterwards? Do you think he got a medical suspension after spring break? I don't know. I mean, were they even checking people in between matches? No. no of course I not. I don't think so. So... I'm just saying maybe they had some advice for him afterwards. Or like, you know what? You might you might get a chest infection from this. Well, do you think this is a legitimate uh, injury or a legitimate concern, this chest infection thing? Or do you think there was something else keeping Brian from this show? Uh, 
I, I don't know what the issue was. I don't think it was. Uh, I, I didn't buy this this chest infection as anything real. I mean, he was chopped. Yeah, maybe they're so. just extra careful with them. They also might not have had any idea for him on this show, which is, if that's the case, that's kind of saying something that we're a month. Uh, ima- imagine saying, dude, "Dude's got a match on Sunday. How, how could they not have a, uh, a, a, a well, an idea for him?" Because they had something way bigger planned or smaller planned for him. Oh God. The bar was backstage with a pair of SmackDown contracts and doing their well, well, well deal, walking into the New Day, who mocked them for not winning the Raw Tag Titles, and Cesaro says they always want to be on SmackDown Live, and they're going to flatten the New Day like a pile of pancakes. They brought in a man named Mr. Bootyworth, who had a platter of pancakes. Cesaro was offered the pancakes, but thought there were laxatives in them, so he tossed them away. Seamus challenged them. Big E cut a big promo, but Seamus said, I was challenging Xavier, who he called Short Stack. Yeah, and then everything's got to relate back to pancakes. I know. But then, like, Xavier says, tonight, your soul is mine. Um, just a pretty uh, uh, creepy thing to say, I think, in the spur of the moment. When you're about to engage in physical com- combat, can you imagine like a like a face off in in an octagon, and one of a fighter said that to another one, and you could hear it? I think it would depend on the fighter. Like if it was, um, like if it was like um, Diego Sanchez saying this. Oh, okay, then I would be scared. If it was CM Punk, I'd laugh. <laughs> Start laughing. <laughs> That's coming up soon. We're only uh, like five weeks away. Punk Jackson. Wow. Cool. I'll watch. Rusev and Aiden English were in the locker room. I don't know why. I don't know why they were in their gear. I don't know why they came to Montreal, but they were here. And they were all set to go. And we pan over. And there's Lana wearing a Rusev Day shirt. And they, they shoo Aiden away. And Lana... Correct me if I'm wrong. You're not she, wrong. She's, okay, but, she's dropped her accent. But she started it with, like, a semblance of it, and then it just progressively disappeared and well, was gone by the end of this. Well, she's in transition, you know? Was, was this the moment? Was she so confused by the French language that it's just totally reset her vocal presentation? I have no idea. My, my feeling was gone here by the end. My feeling is that, like, maybe, maybe they watched, uh, somebody watched The Avengers, and then... You know, Elizabeth Olsen, like, she used to have an accent, and she just dropped it for this movie. So they probably said, if it's good enough for the Avengers, it's good enough for us. And they just dropped it. I mean, I, I would have at least liked some type of explanation, um, because, you know, maybe she's studying English. Which, wouldn't that be ironic? She's been studying English. Oh, clever. So that she can get rid of English. Wow, that's man. She's gonna drop the the English accent. Ooh. Um, she insinuates Aiden is holding Rusev back, but Rusev doesn't quite connect the dots. And uh, that's apparent. I I didn't think I would ever have said like what a bad idea putting Rusev and Lana back together would be, but separating Rusev and Aiden English, I think, is a bad idea. I think so too, and we don't know exactly how they're going to uh, carry the storyline, but it's apparent, yes, that there's going to be some type of rift between Rusev, English, and Lana, and Rusev's going to have to choose between 
his best friend or his wife, which, man, how uncomfortable. Um, but there's no way to do this storyline without making Lana a heel and Aiden, I think, you know, the more sympathetic babyface. Uh, or at least that's how he was presented in this scene. So, I mean, I think you're going to have a tough time getting audiences to boo Lana. Um, but we'll see. I, I wonder what the end game is here. Because I can't see this being like the their their attempt at trying to make Aiden English this big baby face. I just, I really don't. Um, what, if, what if it turns out that Lana falls in love with the English accent? Wow. Yeah, that'd be something. Uh, Could you imagine Rusev finding out and charging him with Aiden and abetting? <laughs> Big cast came out. Lots of booze. He talked about where he's from. New York City. And they aren't friendly to other people. They think they are better than everybody because they are. And he is better than Daniel Bryan. And this audience was, I didn't know what they were chanting, but they were chanting in French. And then I realized, I didn't realize this, I read this. The chant was uh, translated to, we don't care. And they were trying to drown Cass out. But to the man's credit, he powered through this. He probably didn't understand. He probably didn't. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he said, superstars aren't supposed to look like the fans. A real superstar is seven feet tall and has super strength. Might makes right. Coming to no t-shirt near you. He says at Backlash, you're not going to get your five-star match. <laughs> what a promise. Instead, you will get a five-second match, he promises. And then, 24 hours removed from our Photoshop gimmick, we got another one from the Golden Oldies. The mini. What's yes. the proper term I can use? I, I think it's like little person. Little person? Yeah. Midget mi is mi not acceptable. Mi I think it's derogatory, actually. I, don't, I never know this. It's considered derogatory. Okay, well, um, small Daniel Bryan comes out. And then we got a ton of short jokes. Is someone a little pissed off? Don't be so short-sighted. And this guy tried to kick away at Cass, and then Cass laid him out with a small boot. The crowd chanted asshole at him, and then the referees came to check on him, where it was mentioned that his name is Pierre, which led Pierre. me to believe that they, they booked the wrong Quebecer Pierre for the show in Montreal. Oh, oh the, other, the other Pierre is probably still out from a potential chest infection. They, he put out this photo this week of a show he did where he his entrance he came out with like this like 12 gauge shotgun that he's just holding up in the air it was like a rifle or a 12 gauge or something his promos like that he's been shooting in his gyms are insane it's, it's so weird but so this awesome. guy has so much buzz behind is, him isn't he coming, like is he coming to toronto i think he is doing um a, a Toronto date in the near future. Yes. So what type of matches are, is this guy like going to have? I think this guy's going to kill himself. That will probably. That's the draw. He, the, really. bar, the bar is so high. It's this, this 50 year old that's going to kill himself to get over with these crowds that I would hope after the Walter match that now he is over to this audience that he can be more selective in his risk taking, because that was a frightening match to watch with Walter. You were. Yeah. 
convinced that man was dead at certain points in that match. I almost fainted. It was the closest I'd ever come to seeing a person, like, kill himself. That that moonsault to the floor was... (laughs) I didn't think he was getting up from. Yeah. Well, uh, PCO coming to a town near you, everybody. Yes. Check it out. This guy's name, uh, this this mini Daniel Bryan, his name was Pierre LaFleur, is what they said. Perhaps the only other name more generic than... than, uh, for somebody from Quebec, then Jean-Paul and Francois. Pierre Lafleur. Yeah. <laughs> then the next segment, uh, Renee brought out AJ Styles to the ring. Big champ for AJ. Uh, he calls Shinsuke. Oh, sorry. Did you even finish the segment when he just booted the... the sk- I mentioned that, yeah. Oh, and you did? The, okay. Then the referees uh, tended to him. Well, I mean, I, I I suppose, like, without Brian there, you needed something like this. But I really feel like you needed Brian there to really drive, you know... Uh, First of all, to sell the effects of, of uh, the attack last week, which we never really saw him do, uh, he just showed up to the Rumble like nothing was wrong. Um, I think also to sell Cass's elimination of Brian after like 70-something minutes, I feel like that was something really understated. And as a result, like I'm not sensing much heat from this uh, ahead of this match on Sunday at all. Um, I think... You know, without Brian's reaction to it, it just feels like a Cass talking to himself, basically. I also thought Cass was perhaps relying on the on the tall thing a little too much. I felt last week his explanations, like, were a lot more deeper. You know, he had, like, some psychological trauma as a child that makes him hate being short and hate short people. This week, it was just like, I'm tall. I'm really tall, and you're not. Yeah, it, it felt... Very thin material this week. It's kind of a, it's kind of a weird justification to to really get behind a guy. This this prejudice against short people because you used to be short like everybody was at a time growing up. Yeah, I know. It's 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 like uh, like everyone was short by the standard of being fourteen years old. I feel like they should have just focused on like Ryan coming back on the same day as Cass, a completely overshadowing Cass's return. Yeah, I like that. Like, that's more realistic. It's something I can, you know, uh, uh, believe in a bit more than just a guy who happens to hate all short people. So, Renee with AJ. Uh, AJ is running down Nakamura and said that Nakamura is focused on the wrong jewels. He's got to be focused on this championship and the jewels that I possess. And Renee oh, said so that, many so much clever writing, yeah, on this show. Yeah. It's my balls, guys. My balls. AJ is uh, has been asked to deliver an apology to Shinsuke Nakamura, and he certainly wouldn't be the only one who was uh, required to make an apology for their actions at the Greatest Royal Rumble. But AJ was not going to issue one. <laughs> no. Nope, he wasn't. Did you did you follow the story on on Tuesday, where Arya Davari sent out an apology because the man has received death threats in response to that angle from Friday? I followed it, and uh, boy, do I feel bad for him. Uh, talk about like being put in an uncomfortable situation by your employer, man. Like, what is a guy like that supposed to do? Uh, you know, play out the storyline that's been crafted for you by your employer on uh, one of their biggest shows of the of ever. Or say no, um, and I don't know. I don't know what what that was like, but the the knowledge that this man received death threats coming out of this, 
I mean, that's I'm not I'm not surprised that I'm not a level of like anyone watching that on Friday. I think that that was completely an expected result of this when you're you're doing this in Saudi Arabia. uh, Oh, with you're you're playing uh, with you're you're playing with fire when you're doing angles like this. And I didn't really know the severity of like the the relationship at the time watching it. But I think uh, learning more about it now and hearing about reactions like this, I really do feel bad for uh, Davari. Uh, both Davaris, and I don't know. It's it's on the employer, so I I hope like <laughs> I hope they're taking care of this guy. Yeah, it's you know it's in his statement, you know, and I'm sure this was very much a crafted statement with the company, and not um you know, and yeah. he's talking about how I portrayed a fictional character and played the role of the antagonist when you could very much argue that when Chris Jericho decided to step on the Brazilian flag. That was a fictional character playing an antagonist. And when um, Fit Finley had booked a spot where the American anthem would be interrupted and he lost his job over that, um, it's, it, it's kind of like when, well, for this particular situation, it's a fictional character yeah. playing a role. But in those situations, oh, that was, uh, that was tasteless and there would be repercussions for Chris Jericho and Fit Finley. I mean, so, or, or not to mention like, you know, JBL goose stepping in Germany. There you go. There's a, there's a massive example. But I feel like this is worse because I mean, obviously those are things that took place on house shows. This was something that was broadcast and obviously produced and greenlit by Vince himself. So I, I don't know. I feel, I feel pretty shitty about this one for him. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like Arya Davari and everyone in that segment was, you know, are they going to say no? Um, Mm -hmm. Especially like the, the, all of those guys in there. And to me, it was more just, um, and, and I'm sure it's something that the general sports authority signed off on, but the WWE just to me, it, it just showed like a real lack of understanding of the real world politics. What is um, the general sports authority? Is that the Saudi Arabian? Yeah. Like, I mean, they were the ones like uh, essentially presenting this show with the WWE. <laughs> That's so funny. They're just like, Oh, you can't do this. Can't do this. Oh, you want to wave the Iranian flag so that our guys can pick, kick their ass? Oh, yeah. Go well, nuts. There, there you go. That's, they, <laughs> they didn't seem to have any problem with that. Wow. Um, anyway, so AJ said that he should have left Nakamura, quote, sucking sand in the Arabian desert, which is a, I don't know, creative way of saying I should have murdered him. Hmm. Or just stranded him. Nakamura ruined WrestleMania for AJ. I guess um, depending, depending on your expectation level of that match. Sure. And also denied AJ versus Brian for the fans. Nakamura is a coward and says, now I can break the rules too at Backlash. And he's going to put Nakamura in pieces all over New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And that's he's gonna he's gonna cut the man up and disperse him amongst those three states. That, that's that's a hell of a stip match. Yeah, I want to know how AJ plans to transport Nakamura outside of the arena to all these exotic locations. He wants to go to the desert with him. Wants to take him to Connecticut. Maybe this is gonna go till November, and they're gonna have an Arabian desert match. Wow. What? Where, so so where's backlash? It's in New Jersey. Oh, okay. In, in Newark. Yeah, I mean, that's it's probably just as bad as the Arabian Desert. Samoa Joe came out. There were very loud TNA chants, but the people stopped because they wanted to hear the man speak. Uh, he, 
This was funny, okay? He pretty much cut a promo on Roman Reigns with AJ occupying the ring. Yeah. And finally had to make this awkward transition to AJ and address him, stating once he beats Reigns, then he's coming after Styles or Nakamura for the title. Believe that. It was a good promo, but again, it was... Yeah, it was, like, it was it was a guy that was cutting a promo on like a, someone miles away that had nothing to do with what was happening in the ring, and it was just a way to get Joe on this show. And yeah. AJ just standing there like a fool, listening to the first half of this. You know, if I could trust like any any performer to kind of handle these multiple storylines at one time and to do it kind of a, in a in a in an intimidating and convincing way, it definitely would be Joe. I thought he's you know he's he got rid of a, he's he's already. He's slowly chipping away at the to-do list of things that he has to promote. And, you know, he he doesn't have to talk about the Greatest Royal Rumble anymore. He doesn't have to talk about Brock versus Roman. He doesn't have to talk about his IC ladder match. Now he can just focus on two matches. <laughs> his, his match with Roman and then whatever else uh, he, AJ's got going on right now. Um, so he's he's slowly chipping away at it. He is my favorite promo in WWE at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Nakamura's music plays. and. They're looking at the entrance, but Shinsuke comes through the crowd, and we cut back to the ring, and boom, the forearm is up, and AJ's balls have been broken again. He slaps AJ's head, kicks away at it, teases a Kinshasa to the back of the head, but doesn't hit it, and then hits him right into into the face, and poses over top AJ, holding up the title. Uh, no mention at all of the close to SmackDown last week with Anderson and Gallows. There was nothing with the, those two this week in terms of the Nakamura tie-in. But hmm, yeah, right. uh, yeah, I ball mean, shot. The, the the greatest Royal Rumble, I guess, kind of overshadowed that. Uh, but I yeah, I completely forgot about it actually. Do you think that they are going to do the title change on Sunday? Mm. Or is AJ going to prevail by? Low blowing Shinsuke. I really feel like Nakamura should win. Uh, maybe if not this week, then this, um, not not too much later. Um, I just think he he kind of you need AJ to chase after it. I could see them going both ways. So, um, do we? Do you think we we see another nut shot, or is this it for the nut shots? I I think they've really done it to death at this point. But it almost seems like it's the it's the touchstone of this feud that it somehow has to lead up to one major one on Sunday. Don't you remember um, Gallows and Anderson? That was sort of their thing when they started against the New Day. Yeah, they were fighting over balls. Yeah, these balls were taken. So maybe he should ask his friends for some advice. Perhaps. <laughs> Becky was in the locker room. She was upset. Losing to the Iconics last week. I thought she was talking to herself here, but then off camera is Asuka. Asuka says to forget last week. God knows she probably has. Tonight we hit them back three times as hard. And then Charlotte appears. She calls the Iconics annoying, and they've lost their minds. And they're going to teach Carmella a lesson in respect. And then Asuka said, Avengers, assemble. Yeah, I I think I mean it feels like they they're still trying to figure out Asuka's voice. I think they're they're starting to find it with Nakamura, but when Asuka speaks, it still comes across really forced, really awkward, and not that cool. So 
you know, I would it, say like amongst the low, low yeah. blow Charlotte. Yeah, I don't know if that would uh, have the same effect. Anyway, I would say compared to the heels, I think these three baby faces are certainly a, uh, way ahead in ring. But in these backstage segments, I mean, I, I thought this was pretty terrible compared to what we saw from Carmella and the Iconics. Sheamus and Xavier Woods had way too long of a match. Um, this was, at times, uh, just not good. Uh, Woods got thrown to the mat and snapped his head on the bottom rope, which didn't look intentional. Looked rather painful for yeah, the but they went, but they went to commercial break right afterwards. Uh, perhaps. I mean, it is a spot that ever since the Enzo injury, they have incorporated every now and then. So mm-hmm. uh, the audience does buy it as being serious because of the Enzo thing. Yeah. Then Sheamus went for the Irish curse backbreaker, but lost hold of Xavier and had to lift them back up again. Uh, shining wizard to Sheamus after a twisting leg drop for a two count. Woods then scaled the top rope. Cesaro stopped him. Biggie grabbed Cesaro, but ran into the post. Cesaro avoided Kingston and Cesaro did a strut on the floor, attacked by Xavier, and then Sheamus sent him into the barricades, returns to the ring, and was caught with an inside cradle by Xavier at seven and a half minutes. I mean, I just thought it was just a TV match. Um, I Perhaps for me, like, the crowd certainly helped it because it was still a pretty hot crowd by this point. Uh, it, to me, it just seemed like uh, the first chapter in a, in a longer feud between the bar and, and the New Day. I think, uh, you know, both teams are certainly in need of fresh teams to feud with. I think like the goofiness of the new day kind of contrasts pretty well with, you know, the personalities of the bar. Yeah. To me, like the second hour of SmackDown, it was like, yeah, you had the crowd, but you just had a lot of these feuds that they're just getting started. They are, but it's also, I think that there's something to like, this is our go home show for a pay-per-view. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you look at how few spots there are on these pay-per-views. Like this is a show that will feature, no Oscar, no Finn Balor, no like Sheamus, Cesaro, The New Day. It's like up and down. It's to me, it was just like we were filling time on the second half of this show. It felt like, hmm, yeah. It's it's it'll be interesting to see like what the effect of like having the co-branded pay per views will have on on all these shows going forward. Because yeah, maybe you're right. There's going to be half the important programs per mm-hmm. show because there's just there's not the spots for them at the pay per view. So you're going to have a lot of these just. I think straight television feuds. Yeah. Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville. Um, they had been mocking Becky last week for costing Oscar her first match on SmackDown. And then they meet this week with Paige. And it was the reunion of absolution where they did all these cheesy jokes. And Mandy and Sonia are asking, well, which one are you going to pick? And Paige says, I'm going to pick Mandy. And she thinks she's getting a title match. But in fact, she will be facing Becky next week. And when they brought up that they're all still absolution, Paige said, absolution is dead. It's been absolved. <laughs> yeah. And what, then, a, what, what a write-off. Mm. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't think there was much to write off, actually. I mean, this group was, was one that never really got going. Um, I, I, I think these two are really going to struggle being on the same show with the Iconics. It's true. They are very different, though, in terms of personality. I don't... I, I mean, obviously, I think... These two don't have a ton of personality. True. I, th- I think yeah. that's a big... That's going to be a big gap for them to try and have any kind of meaningful time on this show. 
Yeah, but I I don't think they're hopeless either. I think you know Rose and Deville, Rose in particular, already I think has shown very good glimpses of of stardom, um, and I think the two of them will probably stay as a, I believe that they'll stay as a tag team. Although coming out of this, you could see them uh, maybe splitting up completely. I think they're better off as a tag team for now, and uh, without Paige there, now they get to show a bit more personality themselves. Um, so we'll see what they can do, but I would say both of them are still very much like, uh, you know, works works in progress. So Zelina Vega had a selfie promo, and no, we didn't get text on the screen, but now I think we've gone into the, the new rage way, and that is uh, promos out in the wind. Dude, we got text on the screen all over this. Was there text on the screen for yeah. this? Yeah, there was. Well, I'm sorry. I, was, I wasn't... Uh... I must have missed it because I was just overcome with the hurricane that they were shooting this in the middle of. Yeah. Well, I, it's, it's, yeah, you, you kind of, it's part of the problem with like doing these selfie things, right? Like you're shooting these things on phones. There's, um, and outside and outside. Yes. With the wind. But I, I don't, I actually don't mind it as much when it's, outdoors and like on location if they're actually if there's a reason to use a cell phone rather than something else like if somebody cuts a car a promo in a car or a promo like uh i don't know uh at this exotic location i feel like you can justify using a phone because it's supposed to feel like uh you know spontaneous so i didn't mind this so much even with like the rustling sound effect i just thought like i hated the words on the screen like so that's why i made a point to mention it to, to you here because I, I, I've clearly reached a, a point in my my brain now where they don't it doesn't even register for me. Oh man, like they just like they decided to emphasize like the corniest things. Like uh, what what do they call um, Almus? What's his name? Uh, this nickname. Uh, El Ibolo. Yeah, they decided to like highlight things like that, and it's just like it's just corny. And I I, I feel like even a promo as good as Alina's. They, it feels far less cool when you just like put all the colored let- lettering all over top of it. Yeah, they said that um, they don't know when Andrade is showing up on SmackDown, but when he does, it'll change the show forever. But it doesn't seem like they have anything set up for him, at least through this pay-per-view on Sunday. And maybe afterwards, they'll have a role for him. Carmella and the Iconics against Charlotte, Asuka, and Becky. I just found this so comedic. As Charlotte's on her way to the ring, they just casually note that if she wins the title this Sunday, that will be her seventh women's title reign, tying her with the all-time record set by Trish Stratus. Damn, already? What, what a record. Wow. So I, I totally believe it. Yeah, like, of course. Anyway. You know, but it doesn't feel like she's... I guess like it's, a lot it's, of it's, it has no importance attached to it. Well, a lot of those were like the the Bailey Sasha or the Sasha feud, right? Yeah, where they just played hot potato with that yeah. title for months. Mm. It's it's like the Grand Slam deal where I don't think anybody cares about this. Mm-hmm. It was pointed out that we're going to get a Grand Slam match between Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy. Um, but they're already both Grand Slam champions. That's what I'm saying. It's Grand Slam versus Grand Slam. With what at stake? Nothing. It's just the fact that two men with this distinction, like two Hall of Famers. Oh, great. I think one of them should lose their Grand Slam title. Oh, their title lineage is erased. Yeah. That would be great. You lose title reigns. Mm -hmm. 
You go negative Grand Slam. How about that? Yeah, that would be. You got to win four more titles to get up to zero. Yeah, you go. You go down. You 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 get an undevelopmental deal. Whoa, genius! Billy Billy slaps Oscar, who smiles and fights back. Hits a hip attack. Charlotte takes out the Iconics with a dive to the floor. Go through the commercial. Becky's fighting off the heels, and then Royce and Kay pull Oscar down, leaving Becky in the ring. Eventually, the hot tag is made to Charlotte, who comes in, attacks Carmella with her chops. That goddamn strut. Carmella then pulls her leg off the top, and Charlotte's hand slaps the top post, and they get the advantage on Charlotte. Tag is eventually made to Asuka, who attacks everybody. Asuka ducked a spin kick. Becky hit a missile drop kick. Charlotte speared Carmella, and then a moonsault was delivered by Charlotte to Carmella and Kay on the floor. Audience was buzzing as Asuka took Royce's back and applied the Asuka lock. 13 minutes, 28 seconds. Peyton Royce taps out. I think I started to really only connect with the match like once Asuka got in there and they headed to the finish. Um, Carmella on social media has, over the past week, told all her detractors saying that, you know, everybody's been telling her that she sucks wrestling. Well, she hasn't had a singles match in like a year or something like that. So she's been working really hard. And uh, I'm going to hold her to that. I'm going to hold her to a higher standard and see if that's true on Sunday. Because... I'll say this match certainly didn't make me uh, a believer at all. Um, I'm not that excited for Charlotte versus Carmella, and I can't necessarily say it was all Carmella. I didn't think Charlotte looked amazing here either. So, you know, conversely, I actually thought uh, Kay, Kay and Royce looked quite competent, and, and I'm, I'm a bit more, uh, um, I guess, impressed with them. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see if, uh, what, what type of match they have at Backlash. Someone on um, our message board sent in live notes from Tuesday night, and the dark match before the show was the Usos beating Rusev Day, and then after 205 Live, it was Daniel Bryan against Shinsuke Nakamura. So that's what the Montreal crowd got to see. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What an, I mean, for a dark match, I don't imagine they would have went all out, but that's still guess how, cool. Guess how it ended. Nutshot? Yes. Oh, to Bryan? <laughs> yes. Well, it's unsanctioned, right? Uh, well, it was a DQ finish. Well, but I mean, like the the chest chest thing. I, you know, he 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 wrestled regardless of maybe Paige consent. left early and they just they he wasn't cleared, but he went to the ring anyway. Uh, it said Brian then pandered to the Montreal crowd, chanting "We" with them shaking hands to most people ringside as the show ended. So, anyway, that was uh, like what? so. Why would they leave him off the show? I don't get it. For, for the, they for obviously this. had this idea with the the little person, and that trumped uh, putting Daniel Bryan on the show. And maybe, maybe they want to save Daniel Bryan's pop for the dark match segment. Oh my god! All right, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't know why. I just put him I, on. I felt like the casting really needed Bryan there to like really drive home the just even the the idea that these two are having a match on Sunday. And anyway, maybe they didn't. All right. Care. Oh, that's We're it. In- that's the show. Oh, well, we still got 205 Live to go through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Camarella just stared down Charlotte to end the show, and that was it. Week 75 of 205 Live. Buddy Murphy has made weight. He is back in contention now. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to learn how this whole weight-cutting thing works. So it's just select weeks you need to make weight, and then you can be considered for future opportunities. I, I guess there's like a way in for everybody. They just uh, yeah. They just no one else. It. No one else misses weight. Just Buddy Murphy. He's the um. I guess the Johnny Hendricks of two hundred five live. 
somehow the guy, like, the guy's been weighing in previous weeks. He's been weighing in at, like, 190-something. Okay, well under. Well under. And He then, needs a nutritionist. And then one week, he's over. So, I wonder what's, you know, what what he's eating. Um, but this week, he made made it at 203.9. Do you think these are early morning weigh-ins? So that he has time to replenish before wrestling late at night. It should be like the day before. Like that would be I, I commission so. standard. How often? Not, how much time? Do they seems have to like two hundred five live. That they do same day weigh ins on two hundred five live, mm. which is yeah. not safe. Not uh, enough time to rehydrate if you're cutting. You know, all questions for. I think you should tweet Drake Maverick. But you know what? These same day weigh ins that they're doing, everyone but one guy makes weight. So they're doing actually better than the UFC is doing right now with their early morning weigh-ins the day prior. Yeah. But all their guys are well under 205, or at least in, in storyline. Well, it's encouraged guys not to do dramatic weight cuts. So mm. the WWE has figured out weight cutting when all these other MMA promotions can't figure this stuff out. You have all these guys that are doing these dangerous cuts. It's a lot easier when you only have two weight classes, though, right? Well, maybe, that, maybe that's what they got to do. Two weight classes in the MMA. Yeah. Heavyweight, lightweight. Pick. Akira Tozawa and Hideo Itami versus Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher. It was the precise second as I was watching Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher gingerly walking down the ramp that I was really thinking this might be it for me on this show. Well, what did it for you? Um, so it's la- just like what, what? What am I about to watch for the I next know. hour? Oh, like, what, a- like this 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 show this division. Doesn't even necessitate a match on Sunday. Yeah. Well, like I, I would say, like last week seemed, you know, seemed like a different, different show because it was a show long gauntlet match that had something at stake at the end. Now I liked last week. Yeah, and then we're back to kind of weeks uh, beyond that now, where they're not really fighting for anything. It's just they're trying to tell stories, but they're hardly stories that feel all that important or interesting um, after SmackDown. This was amazing. They were they were actually able to bring down this Montreal crowd during this show. I didn't think it was possible. It's like if you can't get a lively Montreal crowd going, I can't I can't accept the the audience uh, being burned out. Excuse for this week. Well, here's the here's the weird thing though, John. Because I mean, I certainly don't think it's the talent. Because like you look at this match and it's like it's Hideo Itami, it's Brian Kendrick. It's, you know, Jack Gallagher and Akira Tozawa. And I think all four guys are awesome. Like, if you were branding these four under, like, an NXT banner or, like, if this was a Ring of Honor show with these four. I mean, <laughs> timing, I guess, of, of the show is, is is a big thing. And I think your type of audience is a big thing, too. But I, I, I certainly feel like the 205 brand right now is is hurting talent more than it's helping them. I, I mean, it always has. If this was happening at an NXT or a Ring of Honor, um, these four, they they would be working a, a much more complex match than this. Like this to me was just, it was, a, you know, it was a good tag match, but it wasn't blow away great or anything like that. It was a... I wouldn't expect like blow away like that much better if, it, if just because this was, this match took place, you know, uh, at NXT or something. Well, that, that to me is kind of... Like this show to me is like these tag matches, for instance. It's like, yeah, it's fine. It's mm-hmm. is it 
anything you'd recommend that someone has to go back and watch? Yeah, it's fun. And also it's the idea that like, you know, what are they fighting for? What are these guys like working towards? You know, more a cruiserweight title match? Like that's the ultimate prize at the end of this the whole thing. And who cares? Um, some spots here. Tozawa hit his big, big uh, Tope Suicida to both on the floor, then applied an octopus to Kendrick, which was broken by Gallagher. There was a spinning roundhouse kick delivered to Gallagher. And then Tozawa climbed to the top. Atami runs the ropes and knocks his partner down and crotches him. And Gallagher follows with a headbutt to the chest, pinning Tozawa at eight minutes and nine seconds. Somehow in all of this, Atami was the one upset at Tozawa who was getting ready to win the match when Atami ran the ropes like an idiot. So Atami shoves Tozawa down to the mat, and you've never seen a more sad expression on a man's face than Tozawa, either knowing that he is on this show for the rest of his career in WWE or that he has lost his only friend, Hideo Atami, who I'm sure had dreams in his mind of being in the champion carnival tournament that just wrapped up with... Now, Michi Marafuji. Oh, I wonder. I wonder. Yeah, I mean, Tazawa looked like a, like a puppy who was just abandoned. He's, uh... He's At least they picked the right guy to turn. Completely. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think... I, I'm a little disappointed that the team's splitting up because I feel like they've been doing pretty well. But I can't say, like, they didn't really have a weird kind of personality dynamic between them because Tommy is certainly doing better as a heel now. He should be diving deeper into his heel role. Whereas I see Tozawa as as your a perennial babyface who is just seem just seems so likable. So I think these two eventually did have to split. Uh, one's a strong babyface, another is a strong heel. Um, we'll see how they do this feud because you now it's really it's like the first feud between two Japanese people. Um, you know, Tozawa can can speak English, but he'll have to do the bulk of the talking now for both of them. What if Hideo next week apologizes? Then th- this all happens again in their next match, and Hideo loses his cool, and it all culminates with Tozawa having to make a decision about staying in a tag team with Hideo Itami, and tells him, "You're fired." Oh, he finally gets to deliver his line mm-hmm. in a meaningful way. Drew Gulak is in the locker room. He said that Kalisto squandered his opportunity at the Greatest Royal Rumble and barely beat Gulak last week, and he won his match with his flipping and flopping. So tonight he is 100%, and he has to prove that high-flying isn't how you win on this show. He's going to tap Kalisto out. So he's the same character, just the more serious version of the no-fly zone character. Yes, we've, uh, we've used a time travel mechanism with Drew Gulak to go back. Buddy Murphy made his triumphant return at 204 pounds to take on Liam Louie. Jesus. Like, I don't know. I mean, this is obviously some local dude, but I, this this guy looked like, um, like powder <laughs> or like, um, like, like a Michael Stipe, you know, like that type of look, like just a like skinny, bald man. Yeah, this this has to be a record for the amount of enhancement talent that they worked into television this week. I mean, between uh, John Paul, Francois, the No Way Jose Conga line, the um, who did we have? We had uh, Pierre Laflair. So, Pierre Laflair. Well, there's and now one. Liam Louie, and and some awesome names that they assigned to some of these geeks. 
Cedric Alexander. Oh, I skipped the match. Sorry. He hit a triple power bomb, and Liam Louie was dead. And the, Murphy won by stoppage at a minute 46. Yeah, so Murphy... Uh, sorry, sorry, you can go on with the rest. That was it. He won. He and Cedric had a brawl on the eye. Yeah, Cedric came out and they brawled. To, and it was Cedric, he noted, making a statement, just like Buddy did a few weeks ago when he was laid out with Murphy's Law. Yep. Uh, yeah, Murphy, obviously next in line. Um, I think he pulls off, like, he's a monster at 205. I think he pulls it off well. Um, it's still a challenge to to try to drive interest into a match like that. Cedric Alexander versus Buddy Murphy. I think that would be an awesome match at, like, the undercard of a house show. But, uh... Like, to get me to log into my WWE Network account just so I can stream this match, it's a bit tough. I'm not going to lie. Not necessarily. I'm not, I'm not jumping towards my, my login. Hey, next Monday, are you going to be logging into your WWE Network account to go watch old episodes of Sunday Night Heat? Uh, I can't say I will be. Um, <laughs> Is it just me? Yeah. I, like, what a bizarre... Is it any more, of, dude? Is it any more bizarre than putting Thunder up there or AWA Classics? No, because I think Thunder. There's a perverse recollection of that that people will watch just for how people, awful WCW was. People Sunday are, Night Heat. I mean, can you name me three matches that stand out in your mind from Sunday Night Heat's history? Three moments. Yeah. Um. I'm. I'm sure. Like, what I'd be interested in is seeing, like, you know, like develop, like guys that are stars now having like jobber matches. On heat, but I, I I'd rather see velocity for that, where they actually did a pretty good job of like you have Brian Danielson on there, you have Loki on there. I'm sure some of those guys did. I, I'm sure you're right. You're probably right that there are there are some hidden gems in a Sunday Night Heat, but and but there does, was that that first year or so yeah. Sunday Night Heat was a major show for them. But oh, exactly. Uh, but it's like it's like the latter half of its run, where like half of it was recap of Raw, you know, mm-hmm. and then like your throwaway like. Like, imagine going back to watch Liam Louie versus Buddy Murphy 10 years from now in the WWE Network archives. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe Liam Louie becomes his, the next AJ Styles. And we'll want to watch that, though. Liam Louie. Uh, next week, get set, folks, in Baltimore coming to you. Lindsay Dorado and Grand Metalik will take on Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher, and Buddy Murphy takes on Mustafa Ali. Will you, be, our, will you be watching? Are we um, writing it off right now? I'm not going to say uh, Seth Rollins hard no, but I'm I'm more leaning against it. Like this is, I, I just don't know. What, I think I am too. I think we should maybe treat it as like okay, if there's like a big match to look forward to, like it, like like when they do. Sorry, are they doing Murphy versus uh, Cedric? Yeah. No, no, they're not. They're, they're doing Murphy and Ali next week. Like, I feel like I'll make an effort to, like, watch a big match or a match that's quote-unquote big, you know, for 205 Live like that. But if it's just, like, another week of, like, random matches, I I, I don't know. I think, I think it's more worthwhile to try to do the show earlier and upload it earlier. Yeah. Um, Kalisto and Drew Gulak was our main event. Um, they, they had a good match. Um, Gulak was going for a single leg crab to the left leg that Kalista was able to get out of. At one point, Gulak applied this modified Boston crab where he was, uh, 
he was like arched down uh and had like his wrists around the arms of Callisto. Like instead of like the 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 opponent's feet being underneath your armpits, they were on your chest. Yeah. Yeah, it looked cool. Uh Gulak tried to rip off Callisto's mask. He avoided that. And then Callisto came back, did a, went for this Pescado into an arm drag on the floor, then hit a Hurricane Ron off the apron, and followed with a springboard somersault using his knees to bounce off the ropes to the floor. Salida Del Sol was blocked. The audience picked up here towards the end. Uh, Gulak caught Callisto coming off the turnbuckle, applying the Gulak, and tapped him out in 13 minutes. And it ended with Dorado and Metalik checking on Callisto and Gulak waving from the top of the ramp as I waved goodbye to this week's 205 Live, maybe for an extended period of time. Hey, I thought this was a strong match. I thought Kalisto and Gulak both looked great, but it, it's it's tough to care. That's that's really the main thing, you know? Um, but that said, I uh, they seem to be setting up Gulak for the next title shot after Murphy, and he seems like a guy who, you know, using this character rebrand is certainly uh, getting stronger both... Uh, in terms of his ability uh, or dominance in ring, and also in terms of his character as well. So he seems to be next in line. Do you want to take a quick look at the Backlash card? Yeah, yeah, let's do a quick preview. You know, of all the talk last month at WrestleMania and so many multi-man matches, mm-hmm. we've got eight matches, and seven of them are singles matches on Sunday. Yeah, cool. The only multiple-person match is the tag, and... And the only stipulation uh, match being the AJ Styles Nakamura match. A no DQ match. Yeah, you're right. No, no big stip. Well, they, they used them all up on uh, last week's show. <laughs> you're right. You're right. It, they were all used up on Friday. Um, let's start here at the bottom. Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Yeah, I'm a little confused why they made this match. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, it, it was. It was. It was even more bizarre for me. When I realized after that six man that Jinder Mahal isn't even on this card. Mm -hmm. So I have no earthly idea why he, I I know why Owens took the fall, but it's so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And then to make this match, I mean, really, it just kind of feels like a match of like leftovers, you know, Uh, and I don't want to call them leftovers, obviously, but, but people without like, it just feels like this was a match that was done to fill out the rest of this card. And I think there's a good chance it's the same finish that you, we've seen on TV. I think Owens and Zayn are losing. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, any uh, uh, some type of win from Owens and Zayn over either Braun. I mean, they're not pinning Braun. I don't think any, many people are going to be pinning, pinning Braun. Certainly not Owens and Zayn. But can they pin a Lashley? It's possible. They couldn't last night. And yeah. That was, the t- that was the time to do something to enhance this match the only Um, thing that maybe i mean there are probably a lot of possibilities but what about the possibility of bobby lashley doing the turn here it feels early it feels early to do that with lashley Mm -hmm. i agree um you do need a heel and i don't think bobby's a bad choice at all it just kind of feels early and also i think it's also a feud you could go to later with braun and lashley as opposed to now um i i would want to get Braun into like a title position if if that is going to be the feud, but that may not be where they are ultimately going. Uh, then we've got Daniel Bryan, Big Cass. I am intrigued by this match just to see Bryan with a more limited opponent and seeing what kind of a match he has with this guy. I'm too. I'm too. Uh, this is Daniel Bryan's. Well, I guess it's not his first singles match back, but it's his first pay per view singles match. Um, and I expect 
Well, there could be shenanigans here too, actually. Um, I feel like Big Cass... I could very well see Cass winning. <laughs> I think Cass has to win. He doesn't have to. Brian can like... But Cass will certainly dominate. I think they will play out that big man versus little man story and have Brian fight from underneath. Um, possibly getting the tap, but getting an attack afterwards. Yeah. I, for Brian's sake, I hope this is just a, you know, a 50, 50 match that he wins because I think losing to Cass, even if he is going to eventually get the win back, I think it really does kind of stagnate Brian and kind of put him in a certain position. Like he, it it is kind of remarkable. The fact that he is somewhat cooled off in, Record time since WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I feel though like that's a lot of it is like Brian's own doing. And what I mean by that is like the man obviously has a desire to be a regular member of the roster, wanting to appear at every show, doing house shows, doing all this stuff. And if you're going to be put into the roster, like I feel like it's inevitable that you're going to be on match in matches every single week. You're going to have kind of uneventful weeks where you're not doing anything. And here we are a month later. Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe. Um, well, I think Roman is coming off of two losses to Brock Lesnar. Joe uh, is saying that he wants to go after the AJ Styles WWE Championship. So both men, I think, have reasons to win. Um but I see them giving it to Roman Reigns because he's Roman Reigns. This should be really good, though. Oh, yeah. I think it would be a very good match. Um, you could continue this streak of Roman just failing, which they seem to be telling this story quite a lot. I don't think it's the time to be beating Joe, but... Um, what, is, what, what, what is the series so far between the two? Has Roman beat Joe yet? I'm sure he's beaten him at some point. Because, like, wasn't that always, like, the story between the two is that Joe always beats Roman or usually beats Roman? I'll look it up as we're, uh, okay, as we're previewing I'm sorry. this. Sorry no, no, I'll, uh, I, I don't know the answer, but I I seem to recall he has uh, beaten him on, at least on Raw, at uh, at some point. Um, My, do you see, what, what do you see for Roman after this, though? I mean, is it just getting him right back to another Brock match, which is... Mm, no, they need to, they need to, to go at this point. Yeah, they need I, to. I want to see a restraining order between those two. Well, we're not going to get Brock back on TV until like uh, Money in the Bank, right? So at least. So, I mean, they're going to have a lot of time to fill. Uh, so I see Roman probably working with maybe like an Owens and Zane or uh, who else is there right now? Uh it's um not the, as we've said with the heel side it's there isn't a whole lot of depth Gen- like Jinder Mahal listen you might joke around but Jinder Mahal and Baron Corbin are not, kind of going to be necessary they're going to be necessary yeah i'm not joking uh, reigns reigns has beaten joe several times on tv the oh. most recent being on new year's day he defended the intercontinental title defeating joe gotcha on okay. raw well i'll go with reigns that was the last singles match they had so it's been a while uh from there we go to Carmella, Charlotte Flair. Well, I think is is history going to be uh, tied? Um, what do you mean? Oh, oh, Charlotte, this is oh, this is a record setting reign. Um, she, record tying, record tying. She, she'll be at seven if she wins this. I, I think it's too early. I think Carmella hasn't really uh, maximized uh, her value with the belt. I feel like, but at, at the same time, like 
she can't have a 50-50 match with Charlotte Flair. Like, in terms of the, the pecking order, uh, for, for even, like, in storyline, Carmella is, is the weasel character who's kind of, like, you know, um, uh, just cheated her way to, to winning the belt. And then you have Charlotte, who's, like, at the very top. Charlotte Flair, who's beat Asuka. So I think Carla, Carmella needs to keep the belt, but um, she obviously won't be doing it in, in a way that'll make Charlotte Flair look that bad. Uh, you can expect maybe the Iconics playing a role here. Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss. I see Nia retaining here. Yeah, I do too. Again, like too soon to have her lose the belt, but I, I think that feud continues. In terms of just doing that automatic rematch post-WrestleMania, I mean, they they had a creative build to this rematch. Although, was... although like with this feud, though, uh, it's does it work as well with Nia as the champion? I don't think it hurts it. I, I think Alexa's work, it's it's been all one-sided here in this build-up, but I think that it's, um, it doesn't feel like just a regurgitated rematch. I think they had kind of a fresh approach to this rematch through Alexa's promos. Do you see the feud continuing, or, or can this be the no, blow-off? No, I, I think this is probably it. Um, and, then, and then it's a question of where um, Alexa could move in with, with Mickey to kind of have a tag program with Ronda and Natalia. And that Mm -hmm. eventually leads to the Natalia Ronda deal Mm -hmm. and Naya, you would have to move on. You, you would think that either Bailey or Sasha are kind of then placed with, with Naya in some role. Maybe it's a kind of a three-way program at that point. I don't know what you're doing with Sasha and Bailey. Who are the other heels besides uh, Alexa and Mickey on raw? Uh, they got rid of Mandy Rose and Sonya. They brought back oh, the, right, riot, right. the Riot Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah. Ruby could be. She got that win on Monday with mm-hmm. Sasha, so you you could put Ruby in there too. Mm. Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, United States title. I mean, Randy just had the belt. Um, you know, keep it on Jeff. Let him build it up. He's got a DVD out for Christ's sake. Yes, right. Seth Rollins and the Miz. I know it's an easy one to just. The Miz gets his icy title back. I think you. I think Rollins uh, feels like he's got um, something going for him at the moment. That I would not t- take the title off of Rollins at the moment. I also don't see them like you know doing moving the belts around too much anymore. Like if no. if one wins, then the other has to lose, right? Yeah. Or the other, yeah. So I think the U.S. and the IC titles are probably staying on the same people that are holding them. And then AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. No DQ for the WWE Championship. This is the one title I can see changing on this show. Me too. Like, uh, we've been talking about a lot of people retaining. Uh, like, you have new champions in Carmella, Nia, Jeff Hardy, and Seth Rollins, who all just won over the past month. Uh, whereas AJ has held the belt for a while. I think it's, you know, Nakamura's hot enough right now to, to be champ. And I think you should give at least one big title change on this show. Are you? What's your expectation level of the match after? Certainly the lower. Last two. Certainly lower than what it was at Mania. Um, probably about the same as as what it was for the Rumble. I think maybe a li- even a little bit higher because I feel like this time we'll actually see a proper finish. So um, yeah, probably I would say higher than what it was for the Greatest Royal Rumble. Okay, and finally, let's go to the forum forum.postwrestling.com tonight. You guys gave SmackDown a 7.09 rating. Jeez. I didn't think this was a better show than Raw. That's a really... Oh, okay. Did you? Did you like SmackDown more? Um, 
Um, it's hard for me for me to remember. Um, it's only been twenty four hours. No, I, I I would I'm gonna say no. All right, let's go to Brandon from Oshawa. This was a decent show. SmackDown continues to be solid with a good direction. While Raw flounders, I do think tonight's show tonight shows the power of a hot crowd though. While the crowd was good for both shows, I thought they made Raw a more enjoyable show last night. I don't think they added anything to tonight's show. What what do you guys why do you guys think Raw usually gets the hotter crowds? It doesn't seem to matter what the city is or who is on the show. I've always felt Raw crowds are hotter. Maybe it's just me though. I think typically Raw does not have all that hot of an audience because it's a very long draining show and I think this week it was the case of the first night in Montreal as opposed to the second night which is always going to I think play a factor yeah certainly but I would say like Raw feels like it's got more prestige attached to it I mean typically it's a show where you'll see the bigger stars and uh perhaps you know um a fan's appetite is sort of uh bigger on a Monday than, you know, a Tuesday where we've just seen wrestling on a Monday. I don't know. Maybe. We got Ari from Montreal live from the Bell Center. Oh, he typed this from the Bell Center. Cool. Wonderful. Although I've been to a pay-per-view Raw and numerous house shows, this was the first time I went to a SmackDown. That being said, this was the best crowd I've ever been a part of. The crowd made this show. The Enver Maurice chants starting off before the show even started was amazing. This is what makes Montreal unique. It was funny to hear a mixed reaction for Orton. People behind me didn't seem to like him at all. The biggest pop was for Rusev until Lana came in and the crowd went wild. Mike Kyoto chants were funny and TNA chants were awesome. Seeing Joe and Styles was special. Women's match was awesome and 205 Live was bearable. bearable. <laughs> the crowd loved Tazawa. The dark match was Nakamura versus Brian and the crowd loved every second of it. Brian addressed the crowd and chants of we, we, we ended the night. Well, that's cool. It's, it's good that they did... Um like a unique match with Brian and Nakamura for that crowd. Cause I think Montreal, I think that was the best uh, television audience, the audiences that they've had all year. Mm-hmm. Martin also from Montreal. I was at the show tonight and I really enjoyed it. First, they started with a dark match between Rusev day and the Usos standard. But what surprised me was how over Rusev day is as for the show itself. The crowd was pretty hot for most of the show. There were some people that left before the main event. And like always a lot of people, including me left before two Oh five live. Lara from oh then and then you also missed Brian versus Nakamura. Can you imagine? Well, well with that finish, yeah. maybe you didn't miss a ton. We got a Lara from Vancouver who wants to talk about two hundred five live. Itami and Tazawa versus Kendrick and Gallagher had moments, especially when Tazawa and Gallagher were in there. But ultimately, it had too much of a standard WWE tag team match pattern and far too many rest holds. On top of that, they are rushing in an Itami Tazawa breakup at the exact moment they are trying to establish a tag team division. 205 Live in a nutshell. Buddy looked good squashing a jobber, but the ref stoppage finish was awkward, and Cedric's post-match chase a Buddy even more so. Uh, Cedric is a, wor- a great worker, but has no persona. Drew Gulak is honestly too good for 205. He's a great worker and talker. He could easily be a threat to Rollins for the IC or Hardy for the US belt. Alas, as long as he's on 205, 205 has my viewership. On a side note, I want to thank you both for your honest and direct coverage of everything related to WWE in Saudi Arabia. Uh, well, thanks for enjoying it. Thank you, Lara. Chris from Melbourne, Australia. First, massive respect to the Montreal crowds from Monday and Tuesday. Both nights made it so much easier to watch than normal. Only concern being that by the fourth week of Nakamura low-blowing styles, it feels stale. Hopefully this Sunday's match delivers in the ring, or at the very least, AJ remembers to buy a sports cup. 
Question, with the roster being so deep, should the WWE continue to use local talent in squash matches or use contracted talent like at the main event TV level like Epico or Mike Kanellis? Oh, I like I like the, the squash t- matches myself. I think every now and then, absolutely. I, think, I, I don't I, think I think they clearly have a lot of fun with them. You know, I think the crowd enjoys like th- these very kind of haha like idiots losing matches, getting beaten up, and then you're gonna like people will complain. Like, imagine if Mike Kanellis was in there today and and was beat up by like Buddy Murphy in like you know t- t- two seconds. I think people would complain. People, oh, that- people people do complain, but they also get on Mike Kanellis for his role, and then he'll respond to people defending his spot, and it just gets to be a lot. There was, what do you there mean? Was one, well, there was one interaction where I just happened to see it, where Mike Kanellis was talking about how every movie, every horror movie, there's the killer, but then there's also the zombies that all die randomly. And he's happy being a zombie in a movie. And Titus, like, interrupted and said something to the effect of, dude, you have a wife at home. You just had a child. Why are you on here complaining and and arguing with fans, basically? Sorry, this is on Twitter? Yes, this is on Twitter. Oh, okay. So he's saying, like, uh, don't stop replying to, like, fans who are uh, insulting you, basically? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't and know. Then, and then Mike Canales went and greased the ramp in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, pretty much. So, like, Canales was actually at Raw uh, last night, and I know this because I went on uh, their YouTube and I watched a bunch of their dot-com videos. Among them was Mike Canales talking to Mike Rome, and I don't know if they were going for a record with his el- elimination at all on, on at the Rumble, but uh, it wasn't the record. Like, maybe he screwed up. I don't know. So then, like, it's Mike Rome telling Mike Kanellis, informing him that he, in fact... Failed? Failed. And, or didn't break the record for quickest elimination. And it's Mike Kanellis having to pretend to be really happy and excited. And equating his his being eliminated, being eliminated and not breaking a record to Daniel Bryan being eliminated and breaking a record. I, I don't know. I don't know how that makes sense. But that's what the man was uh, flown in to do. Uh, I'm sure he's happy to have a job. Um, but obviously, yeah, what, a, what, what a trip to to get it up there for for that. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I okay. If you're the, do you think the company should be giving him more of a chance? And also, like, how much of do you think like his you know substance abuse uh, uh, issues have to do with you know what maybe his st- placement is right now on, on the roster? I, I, I think that if they had um, a big plan for him, I don't think that would affect anything. I think if they look at someone as a guy that they can do well with, uh, Jeff Hardy. I mean, that, that recent uh, DUI incident had mm-hmm. no bearing on, on his push because they want to push him. So I, I don't But he's think, also Jeff Hardy. Well, right? that's it. And Mike Canales is not Jeff Hardy, and they don't view him as that. So mm-hmm. I, I think that... Um, it makes it harder for um I, I don't I really don't think that that kind of is is holding them back. I don't think they're looking at man, Mike Canellis, yeah, if we really get behind this guy, he might really make it. I just I think they see him slotted at a certain level and Jeez, it's, it's, but uh, but of all the people to do the fastest elimin- elimination gag with, I mean he I, he's hardly somebody I would pick 
you know, out of that entire roster. It, he just doesn't scream like comedy jobber to me. Well, maybe that's maybe that's his best avenue at this point is at least being the guy they think of when they think comedy jobber. Mm. There, there's plenty of guys on that roster who would rather be Damian Sandow than like anonymous Epico. True. Yes. So, I mean, it's not great options, but maybe some will take one over the other. All right, uh, fi- la- finally, we got a Matt from Morristown who says, Decent show tonight, but made mostly, most, mostly because of the crowd. Without them, this show and last night's show would have been a chore. I just want to get past Backlash so we can get some fresh matchups. I can't wait to see what they do with Sanity and Almas and Vegas. Uh, Vega. I hope AJ retains because I want to see AJ and Joe for the belt. Also, thoughts and prayers go to AJ's dick. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, th- folks, that is Rewind to SmackDown. Uh, we are going to be back later on Sunday night. Well, forget Sunday. We'll be back before that. Uh, we have our Patreon bonus show coming up on Friday at postwrestlingcafe.com. You can sign up, and me and Wei will be chatting both of New Japan's uh, Dontoku cards, which are coming up Thursday, the two big matches. Uh, you have Kenny Omega against Hangman Page and Cody Ab- Kota Ibushi taking on Cody Rhodes in a rematch from Wrestle Kingdom. And then Friday's card is headlined by Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi. So we will be chatting about that uh, Friday at postwrestlingcafe.com. Sunday, we're back with our Backlash review. And, Wei, what is coming up on Wednesday? This Wednesday? Yes. We got two shows coming up. First of all, we have the British Wrestling Experience, where Ollie, Martin, and Benno will be catching everybody up to speed on what is happening over on that side of the world. And you, John, you and W.H. Park will be informing us about everything going on on the opposite side of the world. We've got the entire world covered at postwrestling.com on Wednesday. Uh, yes, WH will be back. We're going to chat the Champion Carnival. We're going to preview the Duntaku cards. We're going to chat about uh, various shows that WH has attended, including one match that he said is the best match he has ever seen live. What match is that? You can tune in on Wednesday. And it, then. Uh, can you tell me right now? Can I tell you right now? Yeah. Or, do, uh, or does, has he not revealed this? Because I, I, I'm kind of curious about the match. That's all. Uh, is it the Taka- Takagi match? I think it is the Shingo match. With I don't want to say who right Did now. Did you watch it? I, I have not seen it, no. Okay. It's uh, Yeah, it sounds interesting to me. Because I just know him as the DDT guy. Yeah, it's it's Shingo and Shuji Ishikawa from cool. Korakuna Hall. I'll check uh, it out. A couple days ago. I'll check it out. And I can't wait for uh, you guys to talk about it. All right. Uh, and then up equal- next, up next is coming out on Thursday, so you can check that out with uh, Davey and Braden Harrington. And it's always a busy week. It's always busy weeks here at postwrestling.com. So there you go. You can sign up and subscribe to uh, British Wrestling Experience on its own. Up next has its own feed as well. You never have to miss a show. Uh, so go do that. And anything else, way? Yeah, I want to say uh, thank you uh, to all of our patrons again for the p- month of April. One of our best yet. Uh, for the coming up uh, month of May, we have an Ask Away coming up sometime in the next several days or week. Uh, and of course, uh, we have a new t-shirt giveaway contest. So I encourage everybody to check out uh, patreon.com slash postwrestling or postwrestlingcafe.com. And every single month, we will be drawing four t-shirts and you can possibly win your own. All right. And that is it. And now we are signing off. Goodbye.